Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 11 called Stacy. So I'm doing something a little bit different today, which is pretty cool. And I think you guys are going to like it. Stacy has agreed because she's kind of still in the midst of her infertility journey. She's agreed to do several kind of mini episodes with me to give us the play-by-play of her journey and you guys can follow along and see what's happening kind of in real time. So I thought that would be a really interesting way to do this because I know a lot of you are going through this right now too. So this is her first episode. It's probably the longest one. And she brings us up to speed on where she is with trying to have her babies. And I don't want to give you any hints or details because I don't want to give anything away. But I will say that like all of my other guests, she's fucking awesome. And I'm so happy she agreed to do this. So Without further ado, this is part one of Stacy's infertility story. Okay, so hi, Stacy. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so it's funny. I want to explain just for the listeners really quickly how we came in contact with each other. On my end, at least, I got a Google alert. I didn't even know I had a Google alert on my own name. And I like never clearly, I don't know when I set it up. It must have been years ago. And I nothing had been alerted in a while. But I was driving with my husband. And I was like, Google alert. And it pulled me to this article that you had written for Pop Sugar about having miscarriages. And so funny, in the article, you mentioned the article that I wrote about my miscarriages and my infertility struggle and how that that was hanging, the article I wrote was hanging on the wall at your local soul cycle, which is, are you in San Francisco? I'm in the East Bay. Okay. So I just thought that was so funny. And then I reached out to you because I knew I was doing this podcast and I was like, we should talk. We're going through this, you know, we're going through kind of the same thing. So that's kind of the backstory. I know that you are kind of in the midst of your infertility stuff right now. And I think what's really cool is going to be that you're going to be my first recurring guest. So we're going to kind of follow your, your story as it goes along because you don't have an ending to it yet. So thank you, first of all, for doing that. I think it's going to be really interesting and really helpful for everybody to hear, you know, kind of in real time, somebody who's going through this. But I wanted to get your backstory and just tell me, you know, if you could explain to me how you got to this point that you're at right now. Yeah. Um, so first of all, the article that you wrote that I mentioned in my article, your article is what inspired me to write my article. So thank you. <laughs> That's so um, funny. Yeah, it is funny how like full circle it's come. But yeah, um, yeah um, so... My husband and I have one daughter who's mm-hmm. three. Okay. Um, she just turned three last month. Um, and we had no problems getting pregnant the first time. It was really easy. Pregnancy was fairly normal. Um, I think the strangest thing with that pregnancy was that I had some bleeding throughout it. but And it was kind of like a scary amount where I went to the hospital a couple times. But it was just like no, you're basically just an unlucky person who bleeds when they're pregnant. So, Oh, wow. That is so um, scary. Yeah, it was scary. So then, you know, we had Noah, our daughter, and she's been, you know, 
perfectly healthy, everything is normal. And then we found out we were pregnant again. Um, and I guess both times, the first time it took about six months after we started trying. Okay. And How old the, were you when you got pregnant with Noah? I was 29. Okay. Yeah. Because I had Noah six days before I turned 30. So I remember that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so it took um, about six months and we weren't even like, you know, we were very casually trying, like not not taking ovulation tests or anything like that. Um, so it was easy. And then the second time we got pregnant, um, it was the same thing, took six months. And then everything with that pregnancy seemed really normal too. Um, I had a little bit of bleeding again, but it was like, we've been through this before. It's no big deal. And then we also were kind of arrogant about, <laughs> not arrogant, but it, looking back on it, it's like, Confidence. oh my gosh. Yeah, we were so naive now. You know, we told people, like we told our families right away. We were just like, yep, get ready. October, it's happening. Mm -hmm. And so we, it just like never crossed our minds. Like we were yeah. like, we had it so easy the first time. Um, it's so, so funny. Sorry to interrupt, but just on that note of telling people, I remember somebody was saying to me, you know, that you should wait till 12 weeks just in case something happens. And I kind of came from the opposite camp where I was like, no, I'm going to tell people because if I lose the baby, I want people to know. And I don't want to be like, oh, by the way, I was pregnant and I lost the baby. Like I wanted my friends to be there and my family to be there with me the whole time. So I, I did the same. I told everybody right away. Yeah. Yeah. And when we were pregnant with Noah, my husband really wanted to like keep it to ourselves because I was kind of the same as you. Like I'm going to tell people if, if we lose this. So, mm -hmm. but we held it really close. I mean, I didn't tell my work until I was definitely past 16 weeks. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't tell anybody in my personal life until we were through the first trimester. But we were so confident with this second one. And then the miscarriage happened, it was in March of last year. So it was almost exactly a year ago. Mm -hmm. And we were actually in Australia and we were in Tasmania at the time. We had gone out there for a wedding with my whole family. And yeah, I mean, it just, it came out of nowhere. <laughs> Like what happened? I went to bed. Yeah, I went to bed. I woke up with just horrible cramps, was like, oh, it's probably nothing. And Ari called my, my husband Ari called um our doctor in the US and because we were supposed to get on a flight that day to Melbourne. And the doctor was like, You cannot get on an airplane, go to a hospital. So we went to the hospital and like, of course, you know, the whole time we're there, we're like, This is so dumb, we're gonna miss our flight. Like Oh, like I so can't we're, believe we're doing this. Like, aside from the cramping, were you having any other symptoms? Were you like bleeding or anything like that? No. So I was just really, but it was like really sharp cramping. Like it was definitely, you know, I was kind of like writhing in bed, like oh. not good. And and you know, we were with our daughter, and luckily my sister and her husband and their son were there too. So they kind of took care of our daughter for the morning. And then, yeah, I was just in the hospital. They went to do, this was honestly probably the most traumatic part of it because Ari had to go meet my sister and her husband because they were going on the plane to get to Melbourne. So he had to do the transfer to get our daughter. Mm -hmm. um, so he left and it was like, he left at the exact moment that the ultrasound technician called me in. Mm. So I went and got the ultrasound by myself and it was like at that moment that I started bleeding. And then, you know, so it was kind of like the picture on the screen confirmed it. Mm -hmm. I started bleeding, that confirmed it. And, you know, it was just, it was a really 
shitty moment. Like yeah. uh, the ultrasound technician was, was seemed a little bit grossed out by it all. Which what? Like, to injury. Yeah. It was overall, my treatment was like wonderful there. Um, the doctor was amazing. All the nurses, but like that particular person who gave me the news was just mm-hmm. like, it was, so that was really, you know, it was like on what top did they of just say, was there not a heartbeat or the baby wasn't growing or like what? Yeah, it was, I, there was not even, it was just the point where there was just a lot of fluid. So okay. it was like, the, how far along know, were you? I was almost 10 weeks. Okay. So I was like just shy of 10 weeks. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so, so yeah. So then, um, the nice part about that one was I was in a hospital and I hadn't eaten that day. So they put me under and I got like an ultrasound guided DNC where they took everything out and I didn't feel a thing. And I like woke up and then was walking around like normal. Like it was, you know, the, the actual care that I got was, was great. So you didn't make a flight, obviously. (laughs) No, I didn't. We didn't Um, make our flight. How long Um, did you have to stay beyond what you had expected to stay? just one extra night. So okay. we got to leave for Melbourne the next day. Uh-huh. Um, and wow. yeah, and it was, you know, it was like, we were so focused on the logistics of everything because we were traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just like changing our flight, getting our hotel room extended and all of that. And then it was like, we got to Melbourne and then I felt like I could kind of breathe like, okay, <laughs> like, we made it here, but then we had to fly to the U.S. a couple days later. So it was really like once I got home that it kind of hit me like, oh, this, you know, this really did happen. Yeah. Um, it probably felt like a whirlwind at the time where you couldn't really process it. And then once you get home, it probably sunk in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So how did um, it affect you know, your husband? You know, he was incredibly supportive I don't really remember him crying. I remember him being there for me when I like completely broke down when we got to Melbourne. But he he felt a lot of guilt because just the timing of everything. He was with Noah when we found out the news. So mm-hmm. it was like I found out by myself and then she had to take a nap. So he had to take her to the hotel room to take a nap. And so mm-hmm. then I you know, he wasn't there for my surgery, but like he couldn't have been, <laughs> like right, there was just no other way, but you know, he felt a lot of guilt about that. And oh. then sweet yeah, guy, he, did Noah have any idea what was going on? Why did she think you were in the hospital? She didn't have any idea. She knew she kind of freaked out when she saw me in there. Cause she saw me, you know, attached to all these tubes and things yeah. and she could tell. So it was definitely scary for her, but, um, but she didn't know what was going on. Okay. Did it take you a while to kind of recover from that? Were you grieving? I was in shock, but I think I was still like, oh, well, this was just a fluke. You mm-hmm. know, like Ari and I both felt that way. We were like, well, this was just never meant to be. There was an issue. Mm-hmm. You know, we kind of, we were like, we've done this before. So let's just try again. Like mm-hmm. it, we didn't really sit with it for that long. Like we just wanted to move on. Mm-hmm. And it didn't take us very long to get pregnant again. Like we got pregnant a few months later and that pregnancy was a lot more challenging. It was kind of like from the beginning, I should have known, like, you know, I calculated the due date based on like when I found out I was pregnant and all of that. And then when we went in for the first appointment, 
the baby was measuring a week smaller than it was supposed to. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, well, you know, that doesn't seem right, but we'll just wait and see. So we like went back again a week later. It had grown the right amount. So we were like, great, we're good. But I like, I just wasn't feeling right the whole time I was um, pregnant. And, um, and so it wasn't like I had a sinking feeling when we went in, we went in a little bit late for our 10 week appointment. And this was back in September. And so I was like close to 11 weeks and they were like, and there was no heartbeat. The baby had stopped growing like a week earlier. Mm. And it was just, you know, like that was like, oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding me. Had you heard a heartbeat at all at that point? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we had, we had heard the heartbeat around, I guess it was like around eight weeks. Mm-hmm. I remember so, that dread of going to all those appointments and just praying, like, please be a heartbeat, please. And like, right. there's that moment right before and like, they're trying to find it. And then you're like, everyone's like holding their breath. And then, oh, it's so, it's, oh, it's, it's so intense. Yeah. 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 And it definitely, you know, and, and I should have clued Ari in a little bit more about how I was feeling because I just like, I, like I had a feeling in my gut. I was like, Mm -hmm. this is not going to work. Was it more than just like an instinct? Did you like have different symptoms than you'd had? Yeah. I, so I had the bleeding, but it was like more than I was really comfortable with. But again, I was kind of able to like write that off, but yeah, I was just like, I just felt exhausted in a way that I hadn't before and like not even nauseous, just like I just felt horrible. <laughs> like I had yeah. I just had no energy and yeah, like it just it didn't feel I mean, I know that I had just had a miscarriage the pregnancy before, but it like really just felt different that time. Mm-hmm. Like so yeah, and and the fact that the the baby was smaller than it should have been just I ne- like that just never sat right with me. Mm-hmm. So I was hopeful, but I like when I, when we went in for that 10 week appointment, I like had this sinking feeling that we were going to get bad news again. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So that one, that was kind of like, that was a lot tougher. Cause it was like, okay, the first one felt like such a fluke with this one. Like, is there something more that we need to worry about? Mm-hmm. Um, or is it just like really bad luck? And so were the doctors able to tell you anything about why it wasn't happening, why it wasn't working out? Yeah. So we were able to test the fetus and found out that there was an issue on two of the chromosomes. So okay. we we're like, okay, we can let go of this. Like it was never viable. Like mm-hmm. this was never going to happen. And, and we still felt like this is just bad luck. Like we're going to try again. Mm-hmm. But that miscarriage was also when I was kind of like, I need to do more <laughs> for myself. Like I need, I need some self-care and like, that's when I started seeing a therapist. Uh-huh. Um, and, and that was kind of the like start of the whole article that I wrote. Um, right. Yeah. You, cause you had written that you had had two losses in six months and that's yeah. intense. That is a lot to handle. Yeah. You know, it felt like a lot. And then there was more to come after that. Right. But, um, yeah. So what yeah. happened after that? Yeah. So, so we did a, you know, I did a lot more to like take care of myself after the second one. I was like, you know, I might need a little bit more time before we try again and just kind of took a month to like really focus on myself, getting healthy, like 
that pregnancy had been so hard on my body that I just wanted to like eat right and exercise and, Mm -hmm. you know, just take really good care of myself, like start going to therapy, start going to acupuncture again, which was really, really valuable. Um, And then we got pregnant like three months later and we really, it was kind of sooner than both of us really wanted to. It just, it wasn't an accident, but it wasn't like we hadn't, we had like just started trying again. Mm -hmm. So it was faster than we expected. It was in January that I, we miscarried again. Um, 10 weeks again. No, this was when we were further along. So we were almost 12 weeks Mm -hmm. and we had gone in for the 10 week appointment and, you know, held our breath. Like this was the point that we had not made it to before. Yep. You know, heard the heartbeat, the baby looked healthy. My pregnancy was going great. Like I felt wonderful. So it was, you know, we let our guard down, like uh, our doctor kind of talked us through it. And she was like, you know, once you get to 10 weeks, you're pretty much good. Like if you hear that heartbeat at 10 weeks, so we like really let our guard down, Mm -hmm. started telling some people, but not still not, you know, announcing it to the world. So then I went in for the nuchal translucency test, like Mm -hmm. right around 12 weeks and there was no heartbeat. And I went by myself because Ari was super busy at work. And I was just like, you know what? This is going to be such a boring appointment. We aren't going to get any information. It's just going to be like this picture. They're measuring the neck. Don't come. Yeah. And then, you know, I was watching the ultrasound and I was like, well, I don't see a heartbeat, but like, I'm not a doctor. Like Mm -hmm. they're like doing this other stuff. There's probably just different ways that they're measuring, you know, like different vantage points. But then they had a doctor come in and tell me. And I was just like, I mean, that was the most raw, immediate reaction I'd had in all of the um, miscarriages. And it wasn't my normal doctor because she was out that day, but it was another doctor in the practice who was just like, so wonderful. It was a complete shock. And, you know, again, it was like just with the second one, the second miscarriage, I think we still had our guard up. And with this one, we like really didn't, like we were really letting ourselves go there and think about like, you know, when this baby was due and what our life was going to be like, and, Mm -hmm. you know, talking about baby names again. And, you know, it was just, yeah. Yeah. So while you were going through all of this, did you, other than your husband, obviously, did you have good people to talk to and like confide in and kind of let some of this out? Yeah. Definitely. And that has been, I think, like the best thing possible is just having so many friends and our families too, both uh, my family and Ari's family have been super supportive. Um, But then I have had some friends, some who have had fertility issues and then others who like just have no experience with it at all, but that have like really stepped up and, you know, like kind of made sure to check in with me and really made that extra effort that has made a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Are you still going to therapy? Yes. Did you (laughs) feel like you had like infertility depression? Cause I did. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I feel like I'm just kind of getting through 
you know, after this last one, it was rough. The recovery from the DNC was really rough. Um, yeah. So you had DNCs each time. Mm-hmm. I never had any. Oh God. Yeah, I like opted out, and oh, most wow. of my miscarriages that's, were really early on, so they weren't required. So but I, I never had that experience, so I don't even know. Do you mind? Like, you don't have to get super into it, but what is, what is that? Like, I know you talked about the one in Australia, but for people that might not know, like, can you just kind of explain it? Yeah, so it's basically where they go in there and scrape everything out. Yeah. Um, and Are when you, I did you're it, under Australia, or you're awake. You're awake. So in Australia, I was under um, because I was in a hospital and I hadn't eaten. So they were like able to do that. But for the two that I've had here, I was awake. They give you fentanyl, which I just hate. Like it just makes me so loopy. And, and yeah, they played some music for me the first time which was helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really loud. They like suction oh. some out. So it's, it's like very raw. When and how long does it take normally? I mean, maybe 10 minutes. Okay. Like it's not, it's not a long process at all. And then you kind of have to lie there for a little while afterwards to, cause you're a little bit out of it from the yeah. fentanyl. But yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine not doing a DNC, like mm-hmm. just with the like cramping and bleeding I experienced on the first one. I'm like, I can't mm-hmm. imagine going through that for like weeks, mm-hmm. but the a DNC is not pleasant at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess none of it, <laughs> there's really no pleasant option for having right. a miscarriage. So. Yeah. so how long ago was this? The third miscarriage was almost three months ago. Okay. So it was, Yeah. I guess closer to two months ago. Yeah. And I took some time off work. I like, I needed some time physically to recover from that one. It was just for whatever reason, a lot harder. And then mentally it has been like a lot harder (laughs) for getting through that third one. I've been doing a lot of work um, with my therapist. And then I went to this like really wonderful grief workshop um, for women a couple weeks ago. Oh, that wow. a friend invited me to. It was incredible. Um, it was like a full day of like, there were like 10 women and we were just, you know, all kind of going through different things, but it was like dedicated to kind of healing from whatever source of grief you have. Um, uh-huh. And everybody was different. Yeah. That's yeah. so wonderful. Yeah. And it was a, yeah, it was, it was amazing. So, and that actually like really helped give me a lot more perspective on like what we're going through right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and kind of like, I do have a lot of really amazing things and I don't want to like let them pass me by because I'm so depressed about this one thing that I don't have, Mm -hmm. you know, like I think there are things, you know, where it's like, I'd rather be inside like, or I'd rather sleep or whatever than, then like go outside and play with Noah and Ari. And it's like, I don't want to miss those moments. I did want to ask you though, because one of the things that I talked about in my story was the secondary infertility, which was a term that I didn't even know what it was until after I had gone through it. But have you experienced any of that like judgy comments or anything from people who are like, why are you doing this to yourself? You already have a baby. Have you gotten like any of that? I have a little bit. Not from anybody close to me at all, but sort of, yeah, a little bit. And yeah. 
and I have a lot of, I, I do have some guilt tied to that. Like, you know, I, I am really lucky. Like we have, you know, this wonderful kid and so many other things like I know we'll talk about, but like even the fact that I'm going to be able to do IVF is something that, you know, is not an option to a lot of people. Right. So, yeah. Um, I know one thing, one way I tried to explain it too was like, it's not that my daughter ever wasn't enough. It was that she was so amazing that I wanted more, you know, like I wanted to do it yeah, again. And I think it's hard, to, it's hard to explain to some people. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully people, if anyone's listening that doesn't get that notion, like hopefully they can kind of understand it's like, you're not being greedy. It's like you love being a mom so much that you yeah. want to do it. Again. Yeah. And I mean, and to that point too, like, Noah loves babies and she loves like her friends who have little siblings. Mm-hmm. She is the sweetest to them. And it, it like breaks my heart because she is, she would be such a good big sister mm-hmm. and like want, you know, she talks to me and Ari about, well, right now we're a small family, but one day we're going to be a big family. Oh, and it's sweet like, girl. <laughs> It is so sweet and like, you know, and it's just kind of Ari and I, he has um, two sisters and I have one sister, but we've always kind of like imagined having a big family and like, so there is a part of like, it doesn't feel complete yet. So let's talk about IVF. When did you guys decide to, to go that route? So pretty soon after, so we, we had the miscarriage, we got the fetus tested again it happened to have the exact same chromosomal issue as the second one. So we were like, okay, something's going on here. Um, and we did testing on our own chromosomes and found out that Ari has, he has this thing called um, a balanced translocation, mm-hmm. which is where, and I have to say this, his mom told us about this because she did amnio with all of her pregnancies. So she knew that he, had this chromosomal issue Mm -hmm. and warned us before we ever started trying. And we just kind of ignored her. Yeah. We were like, he has this weird thing with his chromosomes, but it's fine. And then we had Noah. So we like never thought about it again, Mm -hmm. but it's actually this kind of like fascinating thing where a piece, this is like the dumbed down way that I think of it um, (laughs) is like a piece of one of his chromosomes broke off and attached to another chromosome. Uh Um, and then basically anytime we get pregnant, there's a chance that he could send one of one or one or the other of the chromosomes that either has too much DNA on it or doesn't have enough. Mm-hmm. And so it's always going to be the same two chromosomes that are affected because it's his first and 13th chromosome. Okay. Um, so that was what was happening with the babies? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's just like, we've heard, and it's kind of hard to get statistics on it. Um, but there's like kind of anywhere from a 50 to 75% chance that we'll miscarry anytime I get pregnant. Okay. Which is pretty, and, and there are a lot of people who have balanced translocations where it's like a increased risk for, uh, risk for birth defects. Mm-hmm. It's really different because it's anybody who has it, it's on different chromosomes. The break points are different and that impacts it. So it's kind of this like crazy world of genetics, but we basically, once we knew that that was the issue and that we just were at this higher risk of having miscarriages and having gone through three already and just like knowing that, you know, yeah. 
It's just, we, it's upping the odds, you know, when you can have yeah. a little more control over that, it seems like the smart thing to do for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So when we were like, okay, if we can do IVF and if they can do this genetic testing for us and we can, you know, get rid of the chance of mm-hmm. us miscarrying for that reason, right? Like, let's yeah. just give it a try. So, so yeah, so we are moving forward. Yeah. So what's the schedule? You're, you're about to start, right? You have all the drugs, you got that I have, box oh my of drugs delivered. That's like so overwhelming. Yeah. I got that box of drugs and I put everything that needed to be refrigerated in the refrigerator. And then I put the box down in my bedroom and was like, I'm going to deal with this when I have to, but I like can't even open it right now. It's too overwhelming. Yeah. I remember, I forgot somebody, I think you had mentioned the other day when we were chatting that you had to go to a class to learn how to do the drugs. And I was like, oh my, I forgot about that class. We, yeah, we went to that class. I totally blocked it out. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm so sure that weird. I would It's such a out. weird <laughs> But have you gone to that yet? Yeah. So okay. that was yesterday. And I was like a deer in headlights, like yeah. just trying to open up the syringes and like shaking and yes. Like, so yes. I remember thinking too, before administering the drugs, it was like, I feel like I'm a pretty smart, like capable person. Like how do some, like, and there's so much meticulous timing involved and like, don't do oh this gosh. and refrigerate this and don't do that, you know, and it's so specific. Like the air bubbles. And like, and- how does anybody, like people have to fuck this up all the time, right? Like there's no margin for error or maybe there is and they just try to make it seem like there's not. So you're more, yeah. I don't know. But I remember thinking, wow, this is very complicated. <laughs> and like, I know. But then I hear like your story of doing it in a bathroom yes. at, and I'm like, how? Like, I'm going to need to be in my own bathroom, yeah. like in dead silence. Like no one can be near me. Yes. Like, Desperate times. I had to, I was getting on an airplane and I was like, I can't bring these needles like through security. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. It's impressive. <laughs> After going through one class, I'm like, I don't know how anybody does this, but yes. we're going to yeah. figure it out. We'll do it. Okay. But so yeah, you're basically at the very beginning of your IVF cycle. Yeah. So I'm going to start, I think next Wednesday. And then I, it's, um, it's like five days of just evening shots. And mm-hmm. then I have to start doing the morning shot. And that's the one that scares me the most because that's the one where they're like, you have to do this at the exact same time every morning. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my gosh, what time should I do it? Like trying to figure out the best time that I will never forget to do it. Right. I remember waking um, up in a panic. Like, is it 6.30 yet? Like, Yeah. Okay. That's what Ari and I were talking about. I was like, should I do it at 6.30 before anybody's awake? But yeah, what I if I, I sleep did through it? Right. You won't. And you won't. Yeah. Ari was like, I think the problem more is that you're not going to sleep at all. Yeah, if you know exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so then I'd start those shots and then I guess they just tell me like two days before I have to do the egg retrieval. Uh, so it's kind of weird. It's like I have a four-day window okay. when they're going to do the egg retrieval, but I have no idea what day it's Okay. And be. are you happy with your doctors and everybody you've been dealing with? Has it been like a good experience or has there been any like hiccups along the way? It has been um, a really good experience. So good. yeah, I was really lucky. One of my good friends who did many years of fertility ended up at this doctor. And so she kind of like told me that I should go there. And I went and really, really liked the practice and really liked the doctor. I felt like he was very 
honest and mm-hmm. like didn't sugarcoat anything for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also really trust him. Like I think he knows what he's doing. Um, yeah. And I trust my friend and I'm like so grateful that there are other people in my life who have done all the research and then mm-hmm. I get to benefit from it. Like, so. Absolutely. That's why we got to keep yeah. people talking about this stuff and sharing, I know. you know, sharing their knowledge and helping each other out. Cause it's so complicated and there's yeah. so many twists and turns. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It really is. So yeah. it has been very, that has been like the most crucial thing is just the people that yeah. I have that I can talk to about it, who can give me advice and just make it, you know, it's almost like the same thing as becoming a parent when you have like a mom friend that right. does all the research and knows, knows all the things you need to get. You're like, great. I'll just listen to everything yes. that you tell me. I have a friend yeah. who just moved to a new city and they have friends there already. And they're like, we go to their doctor, their school, their yeah. grocery store. Like they sussed it yeah. out. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. All right. Well, Thank I can't wait you. to hear what happens. Yeah, I appreciate well, thank it. Thank you so much. Do you have any hard. advice, like anything that I need to know or Gosh. anything that you did that like saved you while you were doing the IBS? <laughs> I probably should have been nicer to my husband at <laughs> times. I think one thing in retrospect, I didn't realize how much the hormones would affect me like uh-huh. emotionally. So I guess just know going into it that like, you're not going to feel, you know, you might feel a little off or like, highly emotional or the flip side, you know, it's just, you never know how you're going to react to all that stuff. There's a lot of stuff coursing through your veins, you know? So that was one thing that I wasn't really prepared for. I do think there's something with energy. Yeah. You know, so surround yourself with good people and it sounds like you already do. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, good luck with everything and we will talk to you and and see what happens soon. Okay. Sounds great. Thanks so much. Stacey. Have a great day. You too. All right. Bye. Hey again, guys. Thanks for listening. And thanks again to Stacy for this part one of her recurring interview series. She's awesome. And I can't wait for you guys to hear more. We've already recorded a couple more and a lot has happened. So stay tuned for more on Stacy and I will talk to you next time. Thanks.